Welcome back, guys. This is Kimberly Graham, your co-host of the Affluent Marriage Podcast, and we're so excited to have you here for the continuation of our previous episode. Before we get started, I want to make sure that you guys know that you can follow us and converse with us at the Affluent Marriage Pod on Instagram. That's where you can find us to connect with us, like our content, share our content, any of those types of things, but we also want to hear your stories there as well. So excited for the new stuff that you're going to learn from today's episode, and without further ado, let's get back to the show. Number three, all right, embrace change. You need to be open to change and be willing to step outside of your comfort zone. Look for new opportunities, explore different investment avenues, and adapt to the evolving market conditions. This flexibility will help you to stay ahead of the curve and seize potential opportunities. Embrace change. Change is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? What are what are the only things that like change? Diapers, right. babies, babies and diapers, babies and diapers. They do not like that's their it. diapers. They, they would like that's the only thing, right? And that like that like, like change. enjoys change. Mm-hmm. Other yeah. than that, we don't like change. Most people don't like change, Mm-mm. but Harv recommends it. Yeah, in fact, that's the thing, right? Change is uncomfortable, but that's the one thing that we said in uh, you know earlier. If you're not uncomfortable right? You're con- you're going to be stagnant. You're just going to be sitting in a diaper. You're just going to be sitting in a diaper. You're sitting in your Stinking own. Stinking it up. People filth. are going to look at you and be like, you're disgusting. Yeah. But everyone, see, that's the difference though. Everyone is comfortable in their own filth, right? They might not even want to recognize it, right? Until I come around and show you like, dude, you have doo-doo on your back right now. And you're like, oh, I do. And that's when you're like, oh, dude, I do. I stink. Like, I am not doing Man, you well just took me back to some of those blowouts where I just wanted to throw away the whole kid. <laughs> I didn't even want to change the diaper. <laughs> Disgusting. Disgusting. But like, I mean, seriously, like that's kind of like what it's like when the, I feel like the work that I do is sometimes so sensitive because I'm, I'm shining a mirror or shining a light on some of the filth that you're still sitting in that you didn't even recognize it because you're so used to it. You're so complacent in the habits that you're in that it's really hard for you to recognize this is not the way it's supposed to be. And then when I show you, oh, hey, there's another way for you to live actually. Or maybe in this you know, podcast is showing you there's a different way that you can live. That's when you recognize, what am I doing? How is this like, I am actually... I'm uncomfortable. I, I need to change so that I can get to a place where I have more understanding of what's happening. Um, so I'm not sitting in my own filth, right? So it Harv recommends that you need to get changed. So we described diaper changed. in our last tip to avoid stagnation, a lot of different situations in our life where we experience challenges and we experience stagnation. But the way we were able to break out of every single moment of stagnation was through change, right? Mm-hmm. The, the way we decided to live so that we could buy our first home was a massive change. We went from living on our own, paying for rent, to paying significantly less rent and living with our in-laws, mm-hmm. right? We embraced that change. Mm-hmm. Was that comfortable? No. Heck no. No, it was not comfortable. Heck no. I love to walk around in my underwear in your skivvies i feel like and i could not do that in my in-laws house you could not you really could not um i really i feel like though you know 
you okay i want to address the elephant in the room because some people there's someone that just listened to us here that we just went to my in-laws or my parents and stayed with them for a year and go oh well 10 months you 10 months that's 10 months that's not something that i have available to me listen 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 linda everyone's got a flex everyone's got something they can leverage that was our that was something that we could leverage so we leveraged it what do you have in your world that you can leverage Right? Can you move into a smaller space? Can you get roommates? What is it that you can do? You do you already have a house that you own that maybe you're like, man, I'm trying to make more money. Rent out some rooms. You have things around you that you can leverage, right? To be able to create the life that you desire. So let's not play the victim card. Let's be have a growth mindset and think, oh, wow, that's a really great idea. I'm so glad that they leveraged their community, leveraged an idea, leveraged the family, to be able to get themselves a little bit further ahead. And how can I find ways that I can leverage things around me? Um, Because yes, change is uncomfortable, right? And so even the change of having someone in your space or the change of finding a different, you know, thing that you can leverage is uncomfortable, but that is where you're going to see the change you desire. You and I had the same budget and we talked about this on the Millionaire Blueprint from 2011 all the way to 2018, mm-hmm. 2018, 2019. Why did we stop using those budget papers that we printed out every week from Dave Ramsey? Because I got a, I, I was working. When I got into my business, I didn't understand how to manage my business finances. And who did we talk to? We talked to a coach. Amy Scott. Amy Scott. Right. And we embraced change and did something different Mm -hmm. for almost seven, seven to eight years. We had the same exact budget sheet. Mm -hmm. We had the same exact conversations. We had the same exact categories. We did everything the same way, right? We used the mint, Mm -hmm. right? That was our tracker. And we put all that stuff into our budget sheet, our pen and paper. And Amy said, well, have you tried this? Mm -hmm. Well, why don't you try this? And that was uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to go from pen and paper, to go from an app tracking everything, to go to you and I being that app. (laughs) You and I became the mint and we we were were tracking. itemizing everything. We still itemize. Our Capital One account. And we, you know, had to put everything into an Excel spreadsheet and create those categories and put in algorithms and formulas. It 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 was was a lot. A lot. And it was uncomfortable. And it was very frustrating at first Mm -hmm. to try to figure it all out. We had a lot more... Uh, you know, rigorous conversations Mm -hmm. around our budget. And not only that, it was really frustrating because um, I I loved what she was able to help us understand with our personal finances. But with the business, inventory-based businesses like LuLaRoe, like boutiques are really hard to manage because the 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 in and out, the income expenses, the amount of re-upping where you have to get, you know, bulks of inventory that might not sell for you know three to six months depending on how you're selling and the volume you're selling how much should i spend it is a confusing process it's volatile it's it changes it's a lot you have to stay on top of it and if you don't have the wherewithal to understand where you're at financially it can get away from you and that's why when i work with a lot of entrepreneurs right now in that boutique field it is a it is so like there's a lot of boutiques that are deep, 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 deep in debt. And 
because it's just really hard to kind of figure out the cadence of everything. So that was hard for me too, because we tried Amy and I to work on something that helped us understand. And she helped me at least to a point. And I took it from that point on and kept tinkering and tinkering and tinkering with different ideas so that I could make sure that I consistently profited, that I made sure that I was saving for future you know, expenses. And so there was a lot of change that occurred when I decided to go into business for myself that we didn't have to deal with when we were both W-2s and making a, con- a consistent salary. That was a hard shift. Why didn't we go back to the pen and paper budget? Why, Why didn't we go back to what was comfortable? Well, because we knew that this was way better. It was better, right? It was better. It was hard. It was change. It was uncomfortable. But, but I loved the outcome. We could see... Mm-hmm the outcome and we could feel ourselves stretching and mm-hmm. we could feel ourselves growing and we knew that this was the shakeup that we needed mm-hmm. to get us out of that stagnant moment. Yeah. Exactly. Because I knew I knew we could not I could not do what I was doing with my business on pen and paper. And even for our home budget I would argue it helped us to get out of that stagnation Agreed. to shake it up to Agreed. do something different. To see everything like at the end of the month go, "Oh, there's still 3 hundred dollars left. Well, that's fun. That's exciting. I didn't know we had that before. You know, like it was, it was a very good, obvious, it was a perfect graduation of what we were recently doing to something that was more automated that we could grow with. And that's the same system we use now. And there are still things that we put in here and that we infuse to make it look a little bit different, but it's constantly shifting and changing and again, shifting us. So we've changed embracing change, right? We changed where we lived. Mm -hmm. We changed how we did our budget, right? We changed careers, we changed Mm -hmm. jobs, right? There was a time where I swapped from the classroom to the gym. Mm -hmm. You swapped from the classroom to the home office, Mm -hmm. right? So we've swapped careers, right? All of these things were uncomfortable to do, right? Even going from private to public school. Even going from teaching to then going to business full time and not knowing if I was like, okay, I hope we have enough in the business that I can bring in. Like, I just gotta like, try it out like it was there was nothing comfortable about any of those transitions that was a very uncomfortable year now that i'm thinking about it (laughs) and it wasn't just like instantaneous success right like it's not like you made this change and then everything was great Mm -hmm. right same with when we swapped budgets right not everything was great right away there was a lot of frustrations there was a lot of struggles but it's undeniable as we look back that the changes that we made have brought us to where we are today Mm -hmm. and we are highly successful now and we never would have been this well off if we never made those changes. Understood, yeah. We had to step into that discomfort. Yep. That is literally the only way that you're able to get to the next step of where you want to be. And a lot of times when it comes to this part is where people uh, where people stop. As soon as the change gets uncomfortable um, with understanding a new method of managing their money, with recognizing where their money is going. I have one client right now that's just like, man, this is a lot. And I feel like I thought working with you, I was supposed to feel instantaneously good. And I was like, no, honey, it's going to get worse before it gets better. We have to go through. This is the only way you have to face it. Because before you've just been kind of walking around in this haze of I hope it's okay. I hope it's okay. I hope it's okay. And you're just getting by by the skin of your teeth. Now I'm showing you a mirror of where everything is actually going. And it's uncomfortable. And that's okay. I'm here with you, but you need to understand that in order for you to get to the place where 
you are like, I get it, I see it, and I, I now I'm able to dream again and actually know I'm gonna be able to hit those dreams, you have to go through this fire, you have to. Um, and it's the same with this too. It's not. I'm not saying something that I've never done before. We have 100% done it time and time and time and time again. We've said this the last few episodes, right? How bad do you want it, right? Mm-hmm. How bad do you want these dreams, these goals that you've set for yourself, right? What are you willing to change? Mm-hmm. We changed where we lived, mm-hmm. right? And even before we stayed with our in-laws and we talked about that was our flex, we did, we did go from a apartment. That was like 1,100 That was 1,100 square feet, square feet to... Like- a five. condo that was barely 500 like square it was feet, right? Tiny. I mean, we substantially cut our square footage yeah. for a cheaper rent. So, are you willing to change your living environment? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to change how many vehicles you have? Mm-hmm. We went from two cars to one car recently. We saved yeah. on insurance, we saved on repairs, we saved on gas. You know, we've been carpooling more, right? Are you willing to change your allocations and your mm-hmm. expenses, your spending? Right. right. Are you Maybe willing? You, go ahead. Are you willing to say no to yourself momentarily so you can say yes to yourself more in the future? That's one that I'm constantly telling my clients. It's not about anyone saying whether you can or cannot do something. No one's controlling you. No one's control. Like I'm not controlling you. I am offering you an idea. Is this worth the future you being where you are right now? Is it worth it? If this is the one thing, if we could tweak, you know, saying no, like I had a client who had her gym membership and also had, she bought like three passes of yoga. And I said, do we need both of these? If you really do feel like you need both of them, then that's, that's the thing that, that's something that you're choosing. But do you need both? And she was like, you know what? I didn't even recognize how much I paid for these things. And I'm like, you could just get a gym membership without the personal, you know, trainer for less than a quarter of that. (laughs) And you'd have even more money that you can throw at some of these debts you're trying to pay off. And like, that was the aha moment for her because she'd never seen it this way. So all that to say, are you willing to shift where your money is going so that tomorrow you can say yes more often to things that you want? Everybody wants more money. Everybody Everybody wants to build wealth, but not everyone has what it takes to actually do that act. Not everyone can build wealth because when they actually find out what it takes, what they have to do, they're not willing to do it. How bad do you want it? Are you willing to cut your cable? Are you willing to cut your subscriptions? We did that for a year or two to make sure we could pay off our student loans. Are you willing to change your phone plan? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to change your phone? Are you willing to get on the phone and ask? Right, go to your cricket. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whatever it takes. Yeah, are you willing to ask for, hey, can I get a lower... you know, a lower amount for this bill. Like, I mean, who cares? Like ask, be, have the audacity to Are you ask. willing to cut ties with Costco or Wegmans mm-hmm. or Whole Foods or wherever it is and shop at somewhere cheaper? Like, like Aldi. A, like an Aldi or <laughs> a Lidl Aldi. or any of these just cheaper stores. The, the amount of money that we saved going from our local stores called Harris Teeter or Giant yeah. or Weiss, Weiss or the amount of money that we save every month going from those grocery stores, which we still go for certain items. Yeah. But swapping ones. from that to primarily shopping for the most part at Aldi, like it's just... We have not felt the pinch of inflation. Well... Very much. Those ego waffles, man. They went from 89 cents to like 219. It's true. It's true. But but I will say. That's no joke. We have not. What I mean is that we have not really felt the pinch. Like, I feel like 
our grocery bill hasn't really risen that I mean it has risen like I can tell that we that there's but what I'm saying is we haven't changed the amount of money that we have put aside for groceries for a while and I just I feel like we haven't had the same experiences there but anyway all that to say that's the reason why is because of the the allocation if you turned up your nose to any of these ideas about how to embrace change, then I'm questioning how much, how bad do you want it? How much yeah. are you willing to sacrifice to build wealth? This might not be the podcast for you, friend. Because when you find out <laughs> what it takes to build wealth, you might realize that you're never going to build any. Uh-huh. Because yeah. it takes sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And these are, pil- I feel like this is just like basic pillars, right? Because if you can feel comfortable, and I use this word lightly, right? But if you can find in the same way that he says, if you reach for being rich, then you'll always be comfortable versus if you're always reaching for comfortable, you'll never be rich. If you're turning up your nose at the idea of creating um, sacrifices and all that stuff, and if that does not vibe with you, then you're aiming for comfortable, right? But even the rich, right? Even the wealthy, the people who are sustainably wealthy have made sacrifices in their life that you can read through their autobiography or whatever and go, whoa, they did what? They did what? They did what? And those are the choices. Those are the habits. Those are the the basic disciplines that they had in place that allowed them to be rich, wealthy, so that they're always comfortable. And I will say that because of the decisions that we've made and the way that we've built even our money management and the way we talk to each other, we have always, we're always reaching for wealth no matter what we're making we're always comfortable. That's what I mean. So we didn't feel like the pinch of like inflation in that way. Like we always felt comfortable. Everybody wants the fruit, but they don't want to do the work to till the ground, to plant the seeds, to water, to watch it grow. It takes years and years and years for that apple tree to grow and to produce its first harvest, right? That takes work. That takes time. It takes patience, but everybody wants the fruit, right? If you heard, man, I could have my bathroom renovated. I could have a, a newer model minivan for my family. I could take trips to Disney. I could you know, buy a bike right on the spot out of the blue for my daughter who needs it. Like I can do all of these things. Yes. And that is sexy and that is fun. That's our millionaire flex. That's great. But it's because we've made sacrifices mm-hmm. and every day we make sacrifices that we're allowed to have these freedoms. Mm-hmm. Right. And it took time. We're on year 12 of our financial journey and we're able to do these things because of the sacrifices that we made. Mm. I love you, girl. I love you too. <laughs> so embrace change. You know, what are you willing to change to build wealth, to have generational wealth? Mm-hmm. Hey, this is Kim Graham from the Affluent Marriage Podcast. We hope you're enjoying what you're listening to so far. But if you're thinking to yourself, man, I wish I knew more about what's going on in Kim and Dan's world. I want to ask some specific questions and be able to get extra resources. Well, you might want to think about joining the Graham fam. Now, I know I love exclusive content and I love having more of Kim in my life. And if that's something you're interested in, you can be a subscriber and you can get exclusive episodes that no one else is going to hear that's going to help you build generational wealth and have more authentic two-way communication. Links are down in the show description. You'll be able to click and see more information about GramFam and we hope to see you behind the scenes. Have a great one and let's get back to the show. All right, next up, tip number four to avoid stagnation. Mm. Okay. Told you these tips are really good. (laughs) Take calculated risks. While it's important to be cautious with your financial decisions, taking calculated risks can lead to growth and higher returns. Conduct thorough research, seek expert advice, 
and assess the potential risks and rewards before making any significant financial moves. This is a good one. Right? <laughs> so take a look at all the risks that we've made, the risks that we're currently taking. They're all calculated. Mm-hmm. There's not a risk that we've taken that we're going to take where it's just like, ah, let's just do it and see what happens. You know, we could really just blow it all right here. This We're not gambling here. That's kind of incorrect. I took that one risk that one time that I bought like those shakes and I spent like $180 and I didn't tell you. That was a cack. That, that was that was a risk. Like you, I just, yeah, you I risked, just did you it. risked our relationship there. I, I just I just did it. And, uh, and I felt so bad afterwards because <laughs> I didn't consult anybody. I didn't like... <laughs> Everyone has their number. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know what they need to tell their kidding. spouse. I don't do that very often. That was spend. one time. <laughs> that was way above and beyond Kim's comfortable number. I just, we don't normally have those types of like, I don't have to like ask permission for anything, but for whatever, because we talk so much about everything, it felt, it felt weird to just be like, yeah, let's just get that. A calculated risk. All right. Let's talk about calculated we were both private school teachers, both making 28K a piece, 56K total. And you took a calculated risk. You decided you were going to, you know, fly from the nest. I was gonna fly you were going to nest. pursue public education, mm-hmm. which would be a substantial upgrade in pay. Mm-hmm. Funny to say that because it's still just a teacher. So yeah. by substantial, I mean, you know what teachers make. Yeah. But it had been a lot more than 28K. We'd probably make. 40k whoa whoa Twelve thousand more dollars which to us i mean that's a lot that's almost half my but you know what though we would i mean but we did it though we still pretended like we lived on 56k and pocketed that rest of it to go towards the debt but it was a risk because if you did not land this job then you would become a sub in the county and your pay would actually decrease you'd go from making 28k a year to maybe 20k a year if you just subbed every day Mm -hmm. right and it was either a risk risk to be part-time too because no benefits yep i wouldn't have had benefits and we would have had to pay out of pocket for stuff too so when i decided that i wasn't going to go back to the school i was like no i'm going to do this i'm going to i'm going to make sure that like i'm going to have a job like either i'm going to have two jobs or i'm i'm going to make it happen i but I know in order for us to be able to get out of this debt, I need to make more money, point blank, period. So I was willing to do whatever it took. Right. And it's it was calculated, right? We had been budgeting for about three years at this point, right? You had taught for no. three years. You were three. You taught at your private school for three years before you switched. Oh, really? Into the county. So we had been married oh, no, about no, three years. no, it was years. two years. Here's why. Because- I taught for four years at I my know, I know, I know. But like I taught for a year before we got married. So it was it was year three for me, correct? But it was two years in, so it was into like our relationship. It was okay. like it was like our into our marriage. So it was like our last like eight to nine months of of the of the debt paying off. All right, so we had been budgeting for two years, yes, which is still a substantial amount of time. I agree to do something consistently. So we had an idea of what our numbers were. Mm-hmm. We knew what our income was. We knew what our expenses were, and we knew if you lost your job at private school and you at worst case scenario became a sub in the county and maybe picked up another job. We knew that we could make ends meet. We knew it would be tight, but we knew we could make ends meet. Yeah. Right. We could still pay student loan payments. We could still do all of those things, but it would just be incredibly tight. It was a calculated risk. So worst case scenario, the months are tight. Yeah. 
best case scenario, we make twelve thousand more dollars because you go from private to public. Right. Calculated. Calculated. Right. A risk worth taking, in my opinion. Yes. And I mean, I worked really hard. Because I think we talked about that before, about how I got in there. It was it was intense. But yeah. Well, like, also just the potential, right? 12K base pay more like money, but also, you know, the ceiling was higher. The 28K that you made at the private school stayed the same every year, whether you worked one year or 20 years. Yes. You made the same amount, right? Yeah. In the public sector, every year you worked, there was a step up. Because it's government. And if you got a master's, it's Mm -hmm. a step up, right? So there was... And they paid for part of the master's, which is also a like a break. So it was a a calculated risk, but it was a risk worth taking because of the potential for income gained. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we took risks on our car purchases, and we still are, mm-hmm. right? We found an $8,000, 2009 Nissan Rogue uh, that had actually been in an accident before. We didn't know to the state of the accident that it had been. It could have been minor. could have been major. Yeah. Um, but we took a risk on that vehicle. And yes, there's been a lot of repairs that we've put into that vehicle. It's kind of our beater. But okay. I, I wouldn't say that it wasn't worth it. No. I think I would say that in the past it's 2009 so it's at this point we're 2023 like we've had it well we've had it for like eight years now maybe i would say it was worth its its purchase price for 8k yes i think we got our money's worth we've taken a lot of trips on it yes and we've certainly put repairs into it but it was a risk yeah to purchase that vehicle uh but we pulled the trigger on it because we had the cash saved up for it and we paid for it in cash we were excited to do that Mm -hmm. and i think it's been worth that money yeah, for sure. I think that was definitely a good calculated risk. And I know with this next purchase, it's going to be another calculated risk as well, where we're going to have to look at it and look at as much data. We're going to learn from our previous pers- um, experience. You've been doing a lot of research on your own and making sure like, is this really the the, the move that we want to make? And so what's going to happen is we're just going to have to trust our instinct and our gut and the research that we've put in place and hope that it's a good right. risk. Anytime you purchase a used vehicle, it's a risk, right? Always. But how you can make it a calculated risk is making sure you get a PPI, a pre-purchase inspection. Ooh, we're getting to right? some details now. Uh, just very briefly, right? things that you do before you purchase a vehicle, right? Before you step into any dealership, all right, you need to make sure you have an interest rate locked with a local credit union or with your bank. That way you have a bargaining chip, all right? You don't get your interest rate from the dealer, mm-hmm. all right? Because they're going to choose something that's in their best interest. So go in there with a bargaining chip, all right? Because they might beat it, mm-hmm. all right? So that's a good thing to do. Uh, you also want to make sure that you do your research, know how many days it's been on the market, all right, which is important because if that car has been sitting, then they're more willing to negotiate. Uh, every dealership has an amount of time that they want to move vehicles. Mm-hmm. All right, they call it like a, a day supply. So maybe they have a 45 day supply. They want those vehicles gone in 45 days. If that vehicle has been sitting on the lot for 110 days, you've got some serious. You've got some some bargaining power. They're willing to negotiate because every month that that vehicle stays on the lot, they're, they're paying interest money. on it. They're mm-hmm. losing money, so they want to move it. So definitely at the end of quarters, they definitely want to move vehicles that have been on their lot more than their market day supply. Hence why we're waiting until. June. June, which is the end of a quarter, right? Um, so, but I think the biggest thing is once you like a vehicle and you test drive it, make sure you get it inspected 
buy a local mechanic who does that to see what's up with the vehicle. And then you can bring that report back. Either you know you're purchasing something that's good mm-hmm. or you know it has some issues. And if you really still like that car, you can use it as a bargaining you chip. You can use it as a bargaining chip and get negotiation. So it's a calculated risk to buy a used vehicle, but that's a risk we're willing to take. We did not get a PPI. No, we didn't. And we should have. Like, quite, well, I mean, we just didn't know. We didn't, didn't know, know, but they couldn't find the key for the thing. But they, now the you battery know. wasn't working. Like, it was very much there very were red clear flags. now that I'm looking back at we it that this away. was a very brash decision. Kind of like the dog. <laughs> but, but we were young and naive. We were young and, and learned from us. And we learned. So please learn from our several mistakes. <laughs> I remember that I asked for a second key fob, and he just straight up said no, and I just accepted it. Yep. Like, I didn't even try to... Didn't even try to get like lesser price. We anything. totally could have gotten this car for right. way less than we got it, which I think is the part that kind of stings the most that we could have gotten this for a lot less. But, you know, you live and you learn. Um, Something else that we did is yeah. we took calculated risks in, um, you know, our rentals and our investments and we did the right thing and we actually sought out expert advice mm-hmm. to help us with these risks. Mm-hmm. Like what? What's a risk we're doing right now? Uh, well, a risk we're doing right now is the the rental that we're doing right now is called midterm rentals, which is not something that we really knew a lot about. We were going to do a traditional rental. Um, we weren't going to do Airbnbs. I don't really like the idea of a quick turnover, but I liked the idea of having someone in here for a long period of time. So like a year lease or year and a half lease. Um, and so that's what we were originally going to do. But being around people, which is one of our other things that we're going to be talking about, being around other people who are in that field, they gave us a lot of different perspective on things to think about. And so they mentioned um, you know, renting in different states um, and, and buying property in different states because we're in a state that's quite expensive. Um, we talked about, well, have you thought about midterm rentals so that you can rent the, your space out for 30 to 60 days instead of the normal year? You could get more money as a result. It could be a furnished rental. And so all these things created a lot of different places where we're now taking a calculated risk on doing a furnished rental. We've never done something like this. We've never seen it done. Um, and it's a calculated risk. And that's the reason why this is so exciting to be able to tell you guys in real time how it's going. Because there might be parts that are going to suck and I'm expecting it. But we're going to learn from that and continue to pivot and move forward. So, I mean, there's just a lot of things there too. Like Even your coaching. Oh yeah. Oh, even my coaching is a calculated risk. Every time I go into coaching... I don't know what the ex what what the uh, outcome is going to be. I can tell you what I want to be the outcome, but there's one thing that I know for sure is that I am in control of the outcome. I am in control of what I can bring to the table. If I need information, I'm going to ask for it. If I feel like I'm lost, I'm going to tell them I'm lost. If I need support, I'm going to ask for support. I am in control of how I'm able to move the needle in my coaching experience. And that I think is one really important thing. You have control in the current situation you're in. You just have to go forward and take control. So it's important to take calculated risks when trying to avoid or overcome stagnation. Yeah. Our fifth tip is to diversify your investments. Avoid putting all your eggs in one basket. Mm. Diversify your investments across different asset classes, industries, geographical locations. This diversification can help mitigate risks and provide a buffer against any potential economic downturns. So I think that there's one thing that we need to make sure that we share with you guys. We are not investment uh, 
professionals. professionals. We are learning this as we go in terms of investments. That part is something that we're continuously learning and continuously like figuring out what works best for us. So I don't feel like we're necessarily qualified or no, I know we're not qualified to talk to talk about this part of things, but I will say this. There are people in your vicinity around you that you know, that you trust that are professionals if you need a support here, please, please, please reach out to us at the Affluent Marriage Pod on Instagram and DM us and say, hey, do you have someone who can help me with financial investments? Because yes, we've we got do. people who can help you. Um, but we are not that person, but we will gladly connect you. But I, I think it's really important to ask those questions. And it's not a bad thing to say, are we Okay. I need to talk to someone to make sure that we're good for my future self. So then I understand what I need to do now to make sure I can change the course so that it's reading what I want it to read. So don't be afraid of asking financial support. I think it's good to just reflect though, right? You've never, and I know no one's ever heard this. You've never heard someone tell you don't diversify. No. You've never heard someone say diversification is bad. It's not a good idea. You need to put everything into your company stock. No they're lying to you, <laughs> right? Lying. You've never heard that. No. You've never heard that. So think about your investments right now. Where are you investing? Are you investing? Where are you investing? If you're only investing in one area right now, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Right. If you don't know anything about your current investing, you don't know anything about your pension, you don't know anything about your um, your 403 or 401k, you don't know anything about it, you need to ask questions because that that is the only way you're going to be able to learn and take advantage of every time like every beginning of the school year there'd be that person that would come in that's a financial advisor and they'd be coming to have a conversation with me right as I'm like setting up my classroom and I'm like chick I cannot sit and talk to you about this I would like to set up the rest of my classroom I only got four days or not even two days before parents come like I need you to get out um and I don't know why that's the time that they want to have meetings about this it was a bizarre time <laughs> I don't know why they want to do that but Set up a meeting with them at another time that's convenient for you, right? If you have someone within your workplace and just ask them all the questions. Like it is worth it to just be 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 ignorant and, and just ask the questions and say, listen, I'm ignorant. I don't know what's going on. Please educate me. That's what they're there to do. Right. So you can get investments in investment properties. Mm -hmm. There's royalties from your digital work or from books that you've written, you can get bonds, you can get mutual funds, you can get single stock, right? But you need to diversify. You can get things international, right? Overseas, you can get investments overseas. Person, I'm not asking, I'm telling you, right? <laughs> so there are a lot of things that you can do. I'm not asking you. I Trust me, we just said that we're not the experts. We're not the experts. So I, trust so me, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask you. I don't know anything about investments overseas. I'm I'll learning as I friends. go. <laughs> But, I know we're investing at least enough that I know we're going to be able to break a million. But but like I said, this you need to diversify, right? Single stock is risky, right? You don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that. I found it fascinating, though, when I was reading. All right, because we read books, right? I read The Intelligent Investor, which is a thick Bible, by the way, by Benjamin Graham, who... Don't read that. It's a great book, all it's, right? It's not Kim's breed. It's not like something you would enjoy. It's not. But Benjamin Graham is the nerdy. author, and he's incredible because he tutored uh, Warren Buffett, who was is one of like the richest people in the world. 
Yeah. All right. So he's got that claim to fame. All right. Phenomenal book. But a lot of the stuff that's in that book is outdated at this point. Like you couldn't follow those formulas and those algorithms. And he would even say that there is no one way. There is no tried and true way. Like if you do this in the stock market, you will be successful. Like it's, you're not going to find that in that book. But there are principles in there, mm-hmm. things that you can follow that are just sound. One of them is diversifying. All right. So it is important to diversify. Single stock is risky. That's what I was going to say. Why, why are you moving my notes, girl? <laughs> Single stock is risky, right? Something that I found fascinating is, and I can't remember the percentage, but it's in the upper 80%, like over 85, because I know it's in the upper 80s, of people that invest in single stock lose. So yeah. there are professional like- people, there are professional day traders and professional like people who, who operate in this field every single day. And 86% of the people, and it's it's probably higher than that because I remember it being in the upper 80s, lose. Mm-hmm. That's incredible to me. Yeah. Right? There's just a few small percentage. And look, the stock market should be hard, right? If the stock market was easy. Everyone would do then it. Then everyone would be doing it. It'd be simple. Everybody went in, right? If the lottery was easy, everyone would be doing it. Everyone would be winning. Like, it's supposed to be challenging, mm-hmm. right? You got to know what you're doing. Right, you can't just throw money at it and hope it throws more money back to you. Okay, that's not how it works. So it's it's tough, right? But it's it's important to invest in what you know. Single stocks are risky, but that doesn't mean it's bad to do. Just make sure you seek out professionals who know what they're doing, have the heart of a teacher, who are mm-hmm. willing to come alongside you and explain it to you. All right, don't let someone just take your money and you have no idea what's going on with it. That's not a rich decision. You no, need to know not. what's going on at all times. Exactly. So make sure you're investing, make sure you're diversifying. All right, know the risks, take calculated risks and diversify your investments. Seek out a professional when making those decisions, but also just be reflective on your investments, mm-hmm. right? Know what you're investing. I love you so much. I don't know. <laughs> this is the quietest I've been. You could talk however much you want about diversifying it. your investments. That is a part that I so am I learned still tonight that if I ever want my wife to shut up, I'm just going to talk, talk about, about investments. investments. And I just am wide eyed, like what? Like man, my wife is talking way Marissa too much. And I, I, hey babe, can we talk about investments? Marissa and I do mm-hmm. webinars every quarter, and every quarter we'll do an investments. Um, we'll do a webinar where I talk about why it's important to manage your day to day funds, and she goes to talk about the investment part. And she knows this about me. I get super jazzed about my part, obviously. When it's her, when it's her turn to talk, my eyes glaze over. She's trying to talk to me like she's trying to like, you know, like, yeah, Kim, d- you don't want to put all your money into bonds. And then this and I'm like, right. Uh huh. Like, I have no like, I love that. No idea. Okay. So and she's talking to me and teaching me and all that stuff but i i understand what some people are like kim this is this is going over my head like i get it i get it but well let me tell you this all right i'm gonna i'm gonna leave this tip with this all right compound interest is our friend yes time is our friend yes so the longer things sit the greater the chance of you having a return if you leave something you want to talk about risk here if you leave something to grow for 30 years Mm mm-hmm the rate of the success rate is going to be 100%. Yes. Every 10 years, your success rate of bringing in a return increases. And by the time you get to 30 years, no matter what you've invested in, you are 100% going to see a return. Absolutely. Which is a beautiful thing. We like returns. So whatever you do, be patient, put your money in it. Mm -hmm. All right. Be patient, 
give it time and it'll blossom. Perfect. I love you so much. This is great. Oh man, we might need to go back and talk about this tip more just so I can yeah. have some quiet time. I just time. don't have anything to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> Neither to be, and, and let me be very clear, just because I'm talking doesn't mean that I'm a professional in that sector. You, you've read more like, about it than I, I have. I have, but I want you to seek professional help yes, for that. Yes, please, we do. We seek professional help all the it's time. It's like when we try to do, do our taxes do back in 2018. Don't do that it yourself. crashed and burned, right? Crashed and burned. And I don't mean just standard. still burning us. Not, not just standard like W-2s. Like we were, when we were both teachers, that was totally fine. We did the TurboTax thing. We did all that. It was cool. It was no when issues. I was a business owner. It's when you became a business owner and there were all these different forms and things that you had to like keep track of. Like that was just, man, that was Inventory a nightmare for you. and cogs. So and don't do it yourself. Don't do it yourself. Seek professionals. Hey, hey guys, this is Kim Graham, co-host of the Affluent Marriage Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your episode so far. And I know that you're like, wait, hold on, there's more here. And there is, it's in the next episode. <laughs> we hope that you guys are gonna join us over there. And in the meantime, if you're waiting, join us on Instagram at the Affluent Marriage Pod because we'd love to connect with you, converse with you. We want you guys to message us, see how you're doing and how you're enjoying the podcast. We wanna hear all of those things and we cannot wait to help you live in love and walk in wealth in the next episode. See you guys soon. Thank you.